Amen. Well, again, it's really good uh, to see everyone. Let me spend uh, a few moments. Let, you know, let me say hi to my friend, the officer in the back. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, hey, let's give a, a round of applause to uh, Alexandria's finest. These guys were with us uh, before COVID. Now they're here after COVID. It's really good uh, to see, see you. It's really good to see uh, everybody. Uh, let me share just a bit of housekeeping. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, Pastor Brian, do you have a microphone handy? You, okay. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to share. So I'm going to let Pastor Brian make this, this announcement for us. Uh, we have an update on our COVID protocols, right? Uh, do you want to share those? You want to yeah. stand up and share those? Yeah, we live? Cool. Uh, so update on COVID protocols starting in July. So that's two Sundays from now. Uh, everybody who is fully vaccinated, there's no requirement to wear a mask. There'll be no requirement to socially distance. For those who've yet to be vaccinated, these are still strongly encouraged. Uh, however, in July, you won't need to pre-register. Uh, Clinton and Morgan are doing a great job taking temperatures this Sunday morning, uh, but starting Sundays in July, that won't be the case. Okay. All right. So starting Sunday in July, you don't have to wear a mask. Um, That's it. All that good stuff. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. A little housekeeping there. I, some people are happy. And again, if, if, if we just, like I said, we just go to a place of trust. If you've not been vaccinated, I encourage you to uh, keep, keep wearing a mask. Um, a couple other just uh, highlights. Uh, some of you uh, may be aware we've been on a journey to uh, lease some of our facility uh, the next academic year to a private school in the area. Just a heads up, that's continuing. And uh, we're continuing that progress and uh, process. And we'll bring you up to date as soon as we know more. That's the signs you see outside about public hearings uh, for this school. So I wanted to just give you an update. And uh, I believe the school seeks final approval from the city in the first week of July. And so we'll come back and uh, share with you those things. Okay, let me ask you to do something. It's more, I want you to think about something, and then maybe uh, later, if you're willing uh, and brave enough, uh, you might even be willing to share what you're thinking with uh, the group. But name one spiritual practice or habit that God uses in a repeatable way to help you grow spiritually. Okay, so that's the question. Be thinking about that. Uh, we'll give you an opportunity if you want to share uh, later. But one, one spiritual practice that God uses in a repeatable manner to help you grow uh, spiritually. Um, so uh, this idea of growing is an area that, or an idea that I think we bring to uh, many areas of life. Because I, I think we would all agree uh, that we can get stuck in certain areas of life and, and have a need to go uh, to the next level. Uh, maybe we want to take our fitness and health uh, to the next level. Maybe it's some of our relationships. Maybe it's our uh, work, job performance, uh, emotional health, and so forth. It's always good to consider areas of life that we can take to the next level. And often what we find is I find there are almost sort of two, two ways that we can move to the next level. One is uh, by practicing really good habits, also known as disciplines, over and over and over and over. So a commitment to a healthy lifestyle necessitates a routine of positive habits 
and practices. You know the drill. Or if you want to learn, uh, or, or if you want to become really good at an instrument. So, for example, let's say you're a banjo player. Okay, we'll just pick a random. Anybody a banjo player in the room? Uh, Junior. Junior plays banjo. That's right. Yeah. And so if you really want to become a good, good banjo player like Junior, uh, you'll practice over and over and over. And if you do that, you'll become a, a good banjo player if you have the basic gifts and abilities to do so. But a routine in life is not the only way to go to the next level. Our staff right now is reading through a book called Moments. And in this book... Uh, the authors have studied these really key moments in people's lives that just in the moment, it helped them go to the next level. A struggling student was encouraged by a teacher. It was that one word of encouragement that they grabbed and it went straight into their heart and then they took their academic game, so to speak, to another level. Uh, Another talked about the first day on a job with this company that did just this great job of celebrating new employees. And this one person reported that it just helped them uh, in, embrace that type of job and embrace that career, and it became a very fruitful career. And the author suggests that there are certain types of moments and certain aspects of these moments uh, that help us go to the next level. So uh, a moment will have some form of elevation. In other words, it, it just takes, uh, uh, it, it rises above normal everyday life. There's a certain amount of pride that can happen with these moments. Insight, we learn something new. And certainly connection. And these moments have one of each. Well, this message is not about these types of moments, but it is a message that is continuing our series uh, in Exodus. And what we're doing with Exodus is we're looking at the story of the people of Israel, and we're looking at their story of redemption and rescue, their story of deliverance. And one of the things that we notice in their story is we hear echoes. We hear echoes of God's redemptive story that is ultimately and completely fulfilled in Jesus. And the big picture of what we're going to pursue in this series all summer is just as the events in Exodus helped to shape the identity and the story of the Israelites, the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus shapes the identity and the story of the Christian. So last week, we started by exploring this idea of where is God? And as Exodus, we find the people of God oppressed brutally and in a very horrible time. Pharaoh not only was oppressing the people of Israel, but he then had a genocidal order to throw all the Hebrew baby boys into the Nile because he was jealous and he was insecure and he was afraid that the the Israelites would grow to become stronger than the people of Egypt. What was interesting, though, as you read through chapter 1, we don't find necessarily God at all in that chapter. We find God working in the background, although, even though God's name is not mentioned. And now the story, as we open in chapter 2, takes a really interesting twist. Let me invite you to turn or launch your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Exodus chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. It reads like this. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. 
his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, that's Moses' sister, by the way, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Here's what I want us to explore this morning from this incredible birth story of Moses. And it goes back to how do we go to the next level? That's why I started with with that that question. Because what we see in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, is we see God working through both the familiar and the unfamiliar. God working through the expected and the unexpected. And I believe God will work in our lives in the same way to help us go to the next level in our faith, if you will, just like he did with Moses when he went to work in the reeds on the banks of the Nile. Let's look at some familiar patterns and routines first. This story of Moses being hidden in, in the, on the banks of the Nile for three months, then placed in a basket, and then sent floating down a major river, okay, only to be discovered and adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, yet nursed by his own mother, is a fascinating story. It's gripping. But on a general scale, when you take a look at the whole of Scripture, which we have the luxury of doing, stepping back, you know, or stepping forward in time from this event, we see God working in patterns that would become familiar and over and over and over throughout the pages of Scripture. So uh, not too long ago, Jody and I went to uh, Nationals Park and we caught a game and uh, in this latest homestead, which they're 9 out of 12 and closing in on the leaders in the NL East, but that's a story for another time. Anyway, they gave us this reusable grocery bag. How many of you use these? Anybody? Yeah. I love these things. For, for the first reason why I love these things is you can just load them up, right? They're better than those plastic bags and all that kind of stuff. But I love these things. You can load them up, and it does save on the environment, which is the main reason why they do them. Well, one of the things we see in uh, the pages of, of Scripture is that God recycles. God is a green God. We know that from, from the beginning of Genesis, right? But God recycles. God uses some of the same habits and patterns over and over and over in his redemptive story. So let me give you a few examples from the story of Moses here. Women, I know this is Father's Day, but we have to just get something out on the table here. The women in the opening chapters of Exodus are flat out smart. And let me say this in a positive way, They're scheming in the right sense of the word, or we'll say strategic, but maybe that's a better word. In chapter 1, the midwives defy Pharaoh's order, first first act of civil disobedience in Scripture. They defy Pharaoh's order by saying the Hebrew women are, are too strong and they give birth too fast. 
to harm the baby boys. And now we have Moses' mother putting him in the basket and floating him down a major river. How many of you with infants right now would, 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 would get a go to some you know, home goods or whatever, get a basket, roll some tar over, and float somebody down the Potomac River? Well, maybe you would if you knew that was the only way your baby would ever have a chance to survive. I have this feeling, and this is, this is biblical imagination, not in the pages of Scripture. I can't wait till we get to heaven and we can see some of these stories unfold. You know, I have this, I have this hope that when we get to heaven, we can like binge watch some of these stories, you know, like you do your favorite TV show so you can hear a few more details. But do you wonder if Moses' mother, Jochebed was her name, do you wonder if she knew when Pharaoh's daughter would be going to the banks to take a bath? I mean, that's a, kind of a, a routine thing people do. I wonder if she knew. I wonder if she scouted this out in advance and she planned and plotted. Can't prove it. I don't know. But she was really bold here. Or how about Pharaoh's daughter? You know, going out to take a bath. And then Moses' sister, right, saying, hey, I'll go get somebody to nurse the baby for you. And it happens to be Moses' mother. I mean, these women are just incredible. They're brilliant. They're smart. And they really seem to know how to work the situation in response to God's redeeming purposes. This is nothing new. God has been empowering and equipping and deploying women to participate in His redemptive work throughout the ages. Rahab hid the spies. So the people of Israel could know about the promised land. Deborah led an army. Esther saved the people of Israel from tragic consequences. Mary, of course, the mother of Jesus. Martha and Mary, the friends of Jesus. The women who went to the cross. The women who were the first witnesses of the resurrection. The woman at the well who went to the town to tell everybody about their, her encounter with Jesus. The women who worked with Paul to start churches. God has been using women for his mission like Moses' mother and his sister for ages. Ladies, you are a powerful part of God's redemptive story. And we see this is a pattern that God is rolling out. Or how about this one? This sense of, of I've labeled it for us, connection. The story of the birth of Moses fits the pattern of a type of story that was told in other cultures in the ancient Near East. So according to scholars, different cultures had other versions of heroes who were born and experienced risk. Uh, there's a, a literary motif called the exposed baby motif. Other cultures had not exactly similar stories, but stories kind of like Moses's. Now some hear the story of Moses fitting this pattern, and they question the historicity of the account. And they say, well, maybe the, the Israelites were just making this up like the other cultures made up stories. Kind of the way that people, the superhero stories today. But I think personally, as do many scholars, this actually affirms the historicity of the birth of Moses and the circumstances surrounding his birth. Why wouldn't God use common circumstances of the day and common patterns of the day to do his work? This is what we celebrate at Christmas. 
when we celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world, the incarnation of God, God becoming flesh. Jesus was born in a certain place, in a certain culture, and in a certain time. Moses was as well. And to put it succinctly, God spoke the language of the day with the events of Moses' birth. So when God speaks to us, when God wants to draw us to the next level of devotion and mission, God will speak our language. God will speak into our culture. God will use what's available today to share the Gospel around the world. We've all said we would not have have had the same experience through COVID without the gift of technology. It's helped us. God has spoken the language of the day to spread the Gospel. There's another pattern here. Emptied and filled. Both Moses and Jesus went through periods of humiliation before being exalted. We'll get to the thick of Moses' story next week. But he was humbled and lost everything before he became a great leader. He experienced the humi- Jesus experienced the humiliation of the cross. Was humbled for the sake of humankind and God exalted him. And now he reigns at the right hand of God. We see this in our lives today. In order to be used by God, we're called to empty ourselves and draw close to God And then God will use us and fill us with His power and fill us with His Spirit for His redeeming love, mercy, and grace. Well, the last common pattern, there there are several here, but I'll just throw out one more. The anointed child. Throughout history, we find God working through an anointed child. Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's son of promise and sign of the covenant. Samuel, the long-awaited child of Hannah, was a priest, prophet, judge, and military leader. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, and of course our Lord, Jesus, the anointed child. So there are patterns here. Over and over. And throughout this series, we'll see them. Here's the point. God works in usual, repeatable, ordinary routines to help you grow stronger and to use you for His great purposes in the world. So let me ask you. I'm going to ask our, our roving reporter, uh, Brian, if he will. Um, does anybody have an answer to that earlier question? Is there a, a repeatable pattern that God has used in your life to help you grow stronger that you're willing to share with us today? Does anybody, does anybody like to share? Brian, just raise your hand and Brian will come to you. There's our friend Hank. Hank, good to see you. Uh, good morning. Yeah, one thing I've done is uh, a practice of fasting one day a week and praying, and uh, the Lord has really used that at times in my life. Yeah. So fasting and praying, and, and that's something we see. Uh, Hank has said God has used that in his life, and that's something we see that God has used over and over and over throughout history. We have one back there, Donna. Um, being a part of the um, open table ministry on Wednesdays has helped me realize and be a better server of people. Yeah. So God has used a repeatable service, a commitment to service, to grow you, you spiritually and to grow you stronger. That's right. Anybody else? Yes. Hi. Um, uh, 
how God has worked in my life. I've actually uh, got out of an abusive marriage, and uh, what, I've, what I've started doing to help with my healing is to praise God and thank Him on everything that I have, you know, whether having a shower, a place to live, a new place to live, a car that works, just it's gotten to the point where it's successive and it sounds, you know, minor, but just thanking him on everything and giving him praise for what I have, you know, um, has helped me tremendously with my walk. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And by the way, that's not small at all. The ability to, to, to turn to gratitude at every moment is something God has used throughout history, hasn't it? And God is using every day. What a beautiful, repeatable pattern. Yeah. Somebody else, okay. Yeah, well, one is um, since the pandemic started, Malcolm and I have been shopping for groceries together every Saturday. And, you know, we were all cooped up, Chris and I, uh, during virtually all of that time. But every Saturday, I'd get a chance. You know, normally when I was going to the grocery store before, I'd just kind of cruise through there and get stuff. But it's your chance to see other people and you start imagining what everybody's going through, the clerks uh, and the people shopping and so on, it's been different. Yeah, absolutely. Jody, thank you, Bill. A repeatable pattern I've noticed in about the last eight years is sometimes when I feel anxious or nervous or worried or even self-conscious, I can tell God is speaking to me through his Holy Spirit, and the question that comes to me is, do you trust me? And it's always the same question, do you trust me? And the answer has always been yes. Wow. Thank you. The, the, the repeatable question of God to remind you of God's promise. Yes, sir. Hey, good morning. So my wife and I are new here, but uh, she was kind of like hitting me in the leg and uh, telling me, you know, when she does that, you've got to speak. So uh, every night, we've been married about a year and a half, and every night since we've been married, we pray together, whether we feel like it or not. And that has caused us, I think, helped us to, to work through issues, right? You know, because you kind of got to work through those yeah. things before you come before the Lord. So. Yeah. So the repeatable pattern of praying together. Thank you. Anybody else? So we have the, the, we have the uh, witness of, of fellow pilgrims in the room, right? That God often uses repeatable patterns and habits spiritual practices in our lives to, to grow us stronger, to hold us through difficult times. Let me encourage you, uh, as you consider, we talked last week about writing out your spiritual story. As you write out your spiritual story, trace the hand of God and the different ways that God has worked in your life to grow you stronger through these repeatable patterns. Um, because you will see... Um, that God will use them over and over and over. They're repeatable for a reason. Well, let's go back to the story and see another way that God was working in the reed. So we see these familiar patterns, especially from our vantage point, the 21st century looking back at the whole of Scripture. So we see that. But then we see God working in the unexpected. And let me just encourage you, read through uh, Exodus 2, 1 through 10, slowly, and just look at the incredible narrative that is being started here with the birth of Moses. There's a, a great verse in the book of Habakkuk. The entire book starts 
with the prophet issuing a complaint before God. You know, can you imagine? You know, what a way to start a book, you know, complaining before God. Habakkuk is fed up, though, with the injustice and the sinful ways of his people. And then he says this, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? And then look at God's reply. Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. He assured Habakkuk that help was on the way, and it was on the way from an unlikely source, the dreaded Babylonians. And this is another theme that we see in this text of how God uses the unexpected for Moses' deliverance. And, And I guess we could say maybe this is a subheading from the first one. That, God, that even the unexpected is a pattern of God. But God just uses these unexpected ways in this story. So let me just give you a few examples. Pharaoh meant for the Nile to be a place of destruction. Yet we see here the Nile was the path to Moses' rescue. The Romans meant the cross to be a method of death and execution. God used it as a means of rescue for our lives. God used Pharaoh's family and household to rescue and to raise Moses. We see throughout the Bible, God often using unbelievers and even those opposed to the faith, opposed to God, to work out His redemptive plan. God could have chosen any manner to deliver His people, but He chose to work to a non-Israelite, an Egyptian, an enemy, said one scholar. So here's an interesting question. When we think about God working in the unfamiliar, or God working in unexpected ways to unexpected people, how do you relate to people who are non-Christians? How do you relate? I've met some Christians who see those who are not of the faith more as opponents. And to be sure, there are unbelievers who are hostile to Christians. And to be sure, there are times Christians have to, to pull back and, and close ranks to be strengthened and to be encouraged. But we have to always remember our general call is to share the good news of Jesus with others and to remember that Jesus was a friend of sinners. Don't be surprised if God does not use someone who is not a follower of Jesus to teach you to be a part of God's work. And for God to use somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, God may use that person to put you in a position where He wants you so that you can be rescued, redeemed, and grow. So we see here that that God used even the opponents of God And God used that moment and that time. God used that that horrible situation. God used it. God didn't cause it, but God used it to move toward redemption. So if you're going through a very difficult time, if you're going through a time of brokenness, if you're going through a time that has been painful and a time of suffering, know that God is with you. 
And that God will work and God will redeem and God will bring something beautiful as you submit to His hand, as you submit to God's healing and God's working in your life. And God will prepare that and prepare your road of rescue ahead. Powerful, unexpected way that God worked. So the big idea, saved it for the end instead of the beginning here, is that God works in our lives through both unexpected, expected, excuse me, and unexpected ways. God does. And the beautiful promise here is God works if we open ourselves to Him. So what do we do with this? Be devoted to the spiritual habits, many that you all shared, fasting, giving thanks, trusting in the promises of God, listening to God's voice. Be devoted to those spiritual habits and practices and be open. Open and available to see God working in the unexpected. We see this in the birth story of Moses. We're going to see it as we continue throughout this series as we're just now getting started. And let's open our life stories to how God will work in familiar and unfamiliar ways. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you so much for this, just the beginnings of Moses' story. And God, we see just in the exciting work of your hand that brought about the rescue of the Israelites, Lord, we see patterns that you have used throughout history. Lord, we've heard about patterns and habits and routines you've used in the lives of your people sitting in this room right now. It's so exciting, God, to see your hand at work in those familiar ways. And God, we see something extraordinary happening in the life of Moses. And we know, oh God, that you will do the same in our lives. That you will use people that we can't even begin to imagine to put us in a place of our healing, of our rescue, and of our growth. So Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to open our hearts and to be available to your hand, to be available to your Spirit at work. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to close our service today by singing uh, two verses.